was yesterday, so a little bit more up to date. Good afternoon and welcome to the latest instalment of the Star Blades. I'm Steve and as ever, I'm joined by James, our Sheffield United correspondent. James, I was writing some notes before this and I said, on one hand, there's only one thing to talk about the playoffs, but I think that takeover kind of means there's there's two things, two massive topics kind of uh, going on at Bramall Lane right now. First of all, QPR, tomorrow night, it kind of feels like it could either be a really good weekend or a really long one and a nervy one at that. Well, I think it's going to be a nervy one either way and a long one because obviously Sheffield United play on the Friday night. Their rivals play on on Saturday. So clearly they'll tell you otherwise, but everybody at Bramall Lane, everybody associated with Bramall Lane, every supporter of Sheffield United and dare I say it, an awful lot of journalists too will be tracking the results very, very closely indeed. But the most important thing is Sheffield United get a win. As long as they get that win, it stays in their own hands and it's all pressure then uh, on their on their rivals for a top six uh, for a top six place. Do you obviously you've seen a few playoff campaigns? Do you ever get nervous in the stands? Well, you do, sometimes it's. It, I think it's impossible not to really because it's it's almost infectious, isn't it? And you, you're there, you're part of the occasion. So yeah, of course you you do sort of get emotionally dragged into it. I mean, clearly we're there to do a job. We, we, we're not there as as supporters, if you like. It's a very different experience going to, to watch a game of football when you're actually there working than when you are actually there just supporting a team. That's not complaining whatsoever because it's it's probably the, the second or the third best job uh, that you could possibly have inside the stadium after actually playing in a game and then managing one, is, one, of, the, uh, one of the teams. But I... I think dealing with nerves is something that's vitally important for any any footballer involved in a promotion race or going for a trophy, going for a for a cup win, or you know, involved in a cup final or something like that. Because they're inevitably going to be part of the occasion. You hear a lot of players saying that you know they actually sort of worry if they're not slightly nervous, but it's how you control those nerves. It's how you how you channel you know, the adrenaline that you'll be feeling into into delivering a positive performance. And I, I always remember one, I won't embarrass the, the people concerned because as you say, I have covered a, a fair few playoff campaigns during my time at the, at the start. And unfortunately, because they've involved Sheffield United, uh, none of those have actually been successful, although hopefully that's that's going to change. And I'm I'm sure it can change. What, what's gone on in the past has got absolutely no bearing on what we hope is going to be going on in the future, unless Sheffield United allow that to, to have a bearing. And I think this squad's probably a little bit too experienced. It's been involved in plenty of its of its members have been involved in promotions either at here or other clubs in the past. So they know they know what's at take. And I'll give a little bit of a plug for a piece that I've done with Oliver Norwood for for tomorrow's paper, it'll be going up on the on on the web before that, where he talks about some of the important ingredients in a in a promotion winning side. And Ollie having one promotion with uh, with Brighton, having one promotion from the Championship with Fulham, and also obviously having one promotion from the Championship with Sheffield United. I think it's fair to say that he probably knows more than anyone uh, what they what those sort of essential traits are. But 
going back to what I was talking about, I always remember going up to Sheffield United ahead of one playoff campaign. They they always do like a, a big press call where you you speak to the manager and a, and a couple of players, and then they like to sort of lock themselves down, as it were, and and stay away from everybody. And they'd done well to actually get in the in the playoffs that year. But I remember going up and saying to a colleague as we left the training ground, I said, "Crack it up." I almost feel knackered with a, with a nervous sort of energy myself, and it was it was almost tangible when when you went up to the training ground, and I I don't think that was a particularly good situation for Sheffield United to be in, and you know clearly they they didn't go on to to succeed in that playoff campaign, they didn't go on to win promotion, so that's something that managers and coaching staff and players have to be aware of, but. As I say, I think there's a there's enough know-how and enough nails in this squad to uh, to realise what it takes and to realise that nerves can be a good thing, but they can't be allowed to sort of become something that's all-consuming. I thought, and obviously you probably touched on it in the story when we heard Oliver Norwood speak yesterday, and he spoke about this is why you're involved in football. You're not there to to play mid-table. Um, well, he's, he's he, yeah, and he, absolutely, and he's bang on, isn't he? Because we, we often Listen, I probably shouldn't be saying this on a on a podcast like this, but you know, as journalists, we always obviously look to sort of try and find the the sexiest line in a in an interview, the the, the best line in a story, and all of that. And sometimes at this stage of a season, that that leads us to talk about pressure as if it's something for a footballer to be scared of, and it's absolutely not. Ollie was quite right. It's something. It's a point that I've made on on countless occasions. I don't know whether you dreamt up, uh, grew up dreaming of being a footballer, but you know I did at one stage, and I'm sure lots of people out there watching watching this did. And when you were kicking a ball around in the park with your kids or in the with your mates, sorry, I uh, didn't have kids at that <laughs> at that stage of my life. Uh, you know, you didn't grow up, you didn't sort of like role play, as Ollie said, dreaming of playing in some mid-table game against a team that you'd never even heard of and even fewer people cared about. You dreamt of being involved in in promotions and winning the FA Cup. That That's showing my age because very few people probably dream about doing that now, going into football, unfortunately, I will say. But you dreamt about winning trophies. You dreamt about being crowned champion of Europe and, 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 and stuff like that. So pressure isn't something for a footballer to be scared of. It's something for a footballer to embrace. If you're a professional footballer, and a damn good professional footballer, pressure, it should be a constant companion. I think it's fair to say um, on the, the topic of pressure, and you mentioned there's a real experience to the core of the Sheffield United team. Billy Sharp potentially back. I know Heckenbottom stopped short of confirming whether he'd be starting tomorrow night. George Baldock back, uh, hopefully Fleck involved, obviously. He's one of those players who's managing an injury, but there's three massive players there, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I might be wrong on when, when I say this, but just off the top of my head, I think there were six members of the of the starting eleven in Sheffield United's last game who were veterans of the of the last promotion winning campaign at Bramall Lane. Now, you might uh, suggest that that shows perhaps the club hasn't developed as it should have done because it spent two seasons in the Premier League in the meantime. 
But that's another point, and I think there's an argument for and against that. But the one great thing that it does guarantee at this stage is there is a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, and I think a lot of cool heads. I'm certainly getting the impression when we go up to the to the training ground and we speak to the people involved. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. They recognise they're playing for high stakes, but they want to be playing for high stakes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What about this lingering uncertainty overhead, though, the uh, the takeover? I mean, that doesn't sound too healthy just based on some of the murmurings we've been hearing from, from the club. Well, I say in terms of sounding healthy, I mean, ultimately, it, as, as far as the playing staff go, they've just got to park this. I understand that it will be a talking point. You often hear managers tell you that, oh, you know, we're not talking about that type of thing. We're not bothered about that. We're only focused on the football. Absolute rubbish because these people are employed by a football club and they want to know who they are going to be employed by. And that's particularly acute when you look at the number of out-of-contract players that Sheffield United have got. Some of those, in David McGoldrick's case, it's a particularly awkward position for him to be in because he's injured. So he will want to know what's going on at the football club. And as Paul Eckenbottom has said, that is bleeding into some of the negotiations that he's able to have or the lack of the negotiations that he's able to have with those members of his squad that are, that are approaching the end of their, their current contracts. Now, clearly Sheffield United can address this situation because they've just done it with Billy Sharp. So I think that's something that, in fairness, they've, they've got to hurry up on, they've got to take care of. Because I always go back to, I think it was this time last year, actually, when Paul Heckingbottom was in, in caretaker charge of Sheffield United, of course, stage managing their exit from the, from the Premier League. Because they were already down and Paul did a good job of making sure, I think that was as, as smooth and as, it wasn't pain-free, but as, as unpainful as, as, as it possibly could be. But he made the point then that the biggest danger for any football club, or one of the biggest dangers, is uncertainty. So Sheffield United have got to bring a little bit of certainty into this process. But nonetheless, I think for the players, for the coaches, and to some extent the fans as well, I think the situation at the moment takes care of itself because the race for that top six finish is so close. There is so much to play for. There is so much at stake at this stage of the season that I think that will inevitably ensure that they're that they're really focused on their on their football and nothing else. For the owners, obviously, this is something that's got to get sorted out. Uh, listen, for me, I don't know if it's I, I don't know if I'd describe it as unhealthy, Steve, because you know, if somebody's interested in buying the football club and potentially taking it forward, uh, potentially bringing in more investment, potentially bringing in a few new ideas, then that, that's a good thing. Okay, you can argue the timing might be a little bit unfortunate because of where, or, or you know, because of where Sheffield United are in the race for promotion right now. But for me, I think the most important thing in all of this is basically Henry Maurice, who's obviously been linked with the football club, Listen, I'll start to believe this, and I'm not suggesting for one minute that anything strange is going on, but I will start to believe this when proof of funds are provided. And when, because ultimately that's what it boils down to. You can talk all you want. Uh, Roman Abramovich could talk all he wanted to when he was looking to, uh, to buy Chelsea, although that did happen very, very quickly. 
Saudi Arabia's public investment funds talk a lot when it was looking to buy Newcastle. That has now happened, but it didn't happen quite as quickly as Abramovich's takeover at Chelsea. But ultimately, it all comes down to money. It's money on the table. That's what uh, Prince Abdullah, who's the current owner of Sheffield United, will want to see before anything can progress. That's what the EFL will want to see before they they sign anything off. And that's what fans will want to see as well. The only interesting thing for me in all of this is that very often in my experience, it's not always the case, but very often, in as I said, in my experience, probably your experience and probably lots of the people watching this too as well, I think the football takeovers that do tend to happen are the ones that almost come out of nowhere. Now, as a journalist, I shouldn't be saying that, but you know they are the ones like the uh, like like Abramovich, without sort of stretching that point out particularly sort of too far, that just happen in an instant. Boom! There you go. Deal done. Final point then. Back to the the football side of things. I've I've been looking at the table. Are you seeing it as? probably three, four teams in for that final six spot? Or do you think teams like Luton can still be caught? I personally, personally, now, I mean, obviously you can you can drill into the mass. Personally, I think it's it's all up for, for six now. I think the three places above Sheffield United probably are taken. I think it's a, it's a battle between Sheffield United, for me, Middlesbrough, Blackburn Rovers, Millwall. QPR, they can still do it. So they'll, they'll, they they do still have something to play for uh, when Sheffield United go down to West London. But I just think when you look at the goal difference as well, I think QPR, have, uh, too much has got to happen. Mathematically, they can still do it, but too much has got to happen elsewhere, I think, for them to be viewed as, as serious contenders. And I think deep down, Mark Warburton and his players will know that. But they won't give up on it until... You know they're told that you can't actually can't actually achieve a top six finish anymore, but no, I, I think it's I think it's between Sheffield United for six, uh, Middlesbrough, Blackburn Rovers, and Millwall. Do you buy anything into it? Sort of that possible kind of I guess subplot with Bournemouth and and Forest at the top of the table. Perhaps if Bournemouth were to drop out after being there for so long, that United could meet a, a really crestfallen side there. Well, potentially, but you could possibly say the same thing about Nottingham Forest if they don't get into the top two as well, couldn't you? Uh, because they'll obviously have big designs now on, on automatic promotion. I think it will probably, I think Bournemouth will probably stumble across the line. This is only my hunch and I've been wrong in the past and I'll be wrong again plenty of times in the future, I'm sure. So I think it will be Fulham, obviously they're already up, but I think it will be Fulham and Bournemouth who go up automatically. I think Forest have given it a really, really good go. I suspect they might just fall a, a little bit short and they might be disappointed with, with that. But when all said and done, and Paul Heckingbottom's actually touched on this in, in recent weeks, the playoffs, they're just a different beast. They're a different animal. And the teams that tend to do well in them, I think, are the ones that just draw the line under what's happened over the course of the past eight or nine months or so and just treat them as a as a tournament on their own because that's what they are. They bring their own challenges, they bring their own pressures, they bring their own demands and throw up sort of pretty unique circumstances and situations. So, yeah, I, I get your point and I, and, mm. and I don't entirely disagree, but I think there's just so many variables that you throw into the mix of a, of a playoff campaign. I think you, you just treat them 
treat them as a as a completely separate competition to the league. Yeah. No, I think Heckenbottom pointed that out himself yesterday, didn't he, about you can throw up so many different scenarios and say and spin it one way or the other, but I think that's just the, the, the one thing you can actually guarantee is that every, all of the four teams who actually end up in the playoffs will be making arguments like this about all of the other three teams that are in there as well. Uh, you know, you, you, if Sheffield United, fingers crossed, get in, you'll be oh, they'll be disappointed because they haven't gone up automatically, and they'll they'll feel they should have done better. And you know, Nottingham Forest, as I said, oh, they've come so close, and they, they they'll be gutted not to get in. Or you know, Bournemouth, if they drop out, oh, what a body blow that is. At, at the end of the day, it it it, it counts for, pardon the pun, sweet FA, I think, in all of this. Yeah. Right. Well, on that note, we'll leave it there. Hopefully the next time we do this podcast, we'll still be talking about the playoffs for all the right reasons. Take care.